What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning Water's Edge online worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to share these links with your friends and family or on social media, thank you so much for doing that, for helping us get the word out. We hope it's very helpful. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It helps us love more people and help more people and serve more people and feed more people. This week we have a freeze. We're getting prepared to spend a lot of money to put homeless in uh, hotel rooms. One of the reasons why we're not gonna shelter in our building is because COVID is just going crazy right now. It'd be very unsafe for them and our volunteers, but we are putting them in hotel rooms. And so when you donate, it's gonna allow us to put so many people who would be stuck out in this Arctic blast, this cold freezing weather, and it'll put them in warm shelter. So thank you so much. It's a privilege to be a part of a church that does things like this. We also wanna say thank you to Ms. Kelly and her team. Let me just say this, that in my life, I've had some very real and personal and very intimate experiences with God. And sometimes people ask me, Tony, how do you know it's God? And the only thing I could ever say to that is you can't ever prove that it's God, but deep down in your heart, you get this sense that you know, you know that it's God, you know that it's Jesus. And I've had some things happen to me where I could sense that I was really close to God, almost like I was in the same room with him and there was a very thin veil in between us, like a very thin curtain and he was just on the other side, like I was in this very thin place and the presence of God was just right there next to me. I remember several years ago, I was going through a really, really dark time in my life. I was going through a lot of heartache and pain. I had MS at the time, but I didn't know it yet. So I was exhausted in every area of my life. I was exhausted. I was going through some relationship turmoil, some emotional turmoil, medical turmoil, inner turmoil. And to be honest with you, I was at a time in my life several years ago where I felt like I was just too exhausted to go on. And I remember one day I was driving down West McNeese Street and I was about to turn on Common. And as I was, I was just praying. I was like, God, just please help me. Speak to me. Do something. Please help me. And as soon as I finished praying, I kid you not, three seconds later, my phone rang. It was a friend of mine that I hadn't heard from in a while. They had no idea what was going on with me. And this is what they said. They said, hey, God just put it on my heart to check on you. I just want you to know that I love you. And whatever you're going through, don't stop. Keep going. And when I hung up the phone in that moment, I knew that God was trying to speak to my heart saying, Tony, you got this, man. Just, just take it one day at a time. These experiences that we have with God are very real and very personal. I can remember another time I felt like God was very personal with me. I had just got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, but it was right before I started on my medication. And I was in Nashville, and the flight over there on the flight on the way back really messed me up and made me and caused me to have a multiple sclerosis relapse. And so when I got back in from Nashville, I went straight into the hospital. And they put an IV in me, and uh, they put me in a room, and they were giving me 1,000 milligrams of steroids every single day to suppress my immune system. Man, it felt like a truck hit me. And at first, I remember like after the third and fourth day, hospital food wasn't all that great. I was having a pity party. I was feeling sorry for myself. And then as I was laying there by myself, I started to have this experience with God. And I just had this overwhelming sense of if I keep my eyes on everything that I'm not thankful for, then I'm going to be crushed. But if I place my eyes on what I'm grateful for and thankful for, then I'm going to have a better day and I'm going to have some peace. And so in my mind, I just started thanking God for everything that he had done for me. And I even thanked him for the multiple sclerosis. I thanked him for it. And I felt like God spoke to my heart that night and said, this weakness is not going to get in your way. Keep going. It's not going to get in your way. And to me, it was a very real experience with God. But it doesn't always happen through prayer. I can remember another time I was in New Orleans and I was at a, a festival, a music festival. It was Jazz Fest. We were just listening to some bands and hanging out. 
And I remember uh, it started a storm and it was getting really bad weather and there was mud everywhere. And I looked over and I saw a homeless man and I thought I recognized him and I did. It was someone that I had known who was now homeless. And so I went and I sat next to him and I was talking with him about his life and what had happened and we were reconnecting. And so I went and got him some food. And then after that, I went and got him a place to stay because it was about to storm. And I'm not saying any of that to kind of like toot my own horn because one of the reasons why that was so impactful to me, because right before that, I had read a book about community written by a Catholic priest. And in that book, his name was Jean Vignet. And in that book, it said that if you want to be close to Jesus, then you have to be close to the people that Jesus is trying to rescue. And in the scripture, we see that Jesus was close to and he was running after the oppressed and the marginalized and the hungry and the broken and the addicted and the rejected and the needy. And in that moment... I could feel God because I was close to someone that God was trying to rescue and he was using me in their life. In fact, you can ask our food pantry team, Ms. Kelly and their team, and those that go out and help with the homeless, you can ask them what really helps them connect with God. And they always say serving the least of these. Another time I had a personal experience with God was several years ago and I was pastoring a cool little church way out in the country. And there was this older couple that I had gotten close to. He was in his early nineties and she was in her late eighties and their last name was the Dogays. Mr. and Mrs. Dogay. They would invite me over for lunch all the time during the week. And man, Mr. Dogay had like an iron gut. He would have these fresh, hot peppers from his garden. He would just chew on them. I couldn't even handle them. But man, they made the best rice and gravy and roast. It was awesome. But I got really close to them. And it came time for Miss Dogay to pass away and to go home and be with Jesus. And she was on hospice care in their house, in their living room, on a hospital bed. And so I got a call one night saying that she was close to going home to be with Jesus. Could I come over and just be with the family? And so that's what I did. And when I walked into the living room, she had her eyes shut and she was not acknowledging anybody because she was kind of in and out of it. But she was doing one thing out loud. She was talking to Jesus like he was right there. I can remember it just gives me chills right now just thinking about it. It was like he was in the room with her and no one else was and we were listening in. It was like, again, we were on the other side of this very thin curtain, this very thin place. And she was talking to Jesus and she kept talking to Jesus until she took her last breath. And I got to be honest with you, sadness didn't fill the room, but this overwhelming sense of peace filled the room. I believe it was Jesus. One last story concerning personal experiences with God. I got really serious about following Jesus as I was about to turn 20 years old. But after that, I had a lot of doubts about my faith. I thought that God was going to reject me because I had a past and I felt like I was too weak and I didn't feel like I was passionate enough and had enough conviction. I was always wanting to try harder, but I always felt like I was falling short. So I had all these doubts that God was going to reject me and they would not go away. They were just relentless. And one night after church, I was driving down that lonely, dark highway in between Starks and De Quincey. I just remember praying out to God, crying out to God, begging him to touch my heart. And in that moment, I could sense God speak to my heart and say, Tony, I'm your forgiver. It's all over with. It's forgiven. I could tell you many more stories like that, but these are just a few. But I want you to understand this. God is very real and we can know him in a very personal and real way. And none of these experiences that happened to me were in church. They happened uh, driving down the road, happened in hospital rooms, happened in uh, living rooms. None of these were in church. I have had real moments with God in church. I have had real moments with God in worship services, but not every moment I've had with God had to do with church. And so that raises a question. Is the church even necessary? And that's what I want to talk to us about today as we go into the new year. God is so personal and so real, and we can know him in an intimate way. Walking with God is like living in a mansion so big that you still haven't opened up all the doors 
And every day there's a brand new door and a brand new room to explore. Walking with God is like um, living in a novel. And every single day there's a brand new chapter and the chapters never end and they just get better and better and better. Knowing Jesus is like living with a poet who's madly in love with you and every day that poet rises to write poetry to you and about you to express their deep love for you. God is love and walking with God is very personal and intimate. And many times we can have these personal experiences with God outside of church away from church. Many of you probably have many stories about experiences that you've had with Jesus away from church. And because of this, some people feel that they don't need church. And other people have other reasons. Some people have been deeply hurt by church and scarred by church and religion or forced out by religion, forced out by church. Some people are very skeptical. So again, why do we even need church? And can the world be impacted by the church? Does the world need the church? And can the church bring hope to the world? Now, sometimes you can hear a verse in the Bible, and it may sound like it means one thing, when in reality, it means something completely different. And in Matthew chapter 16, we find some of these verses. Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? And so they're starting to answer. Some say you're this, some say you're that. But then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And that's really a great question for all of us today. Who is Jesus to you? Is he a good idea? Is he a neat story as to why you get gifts at Christmas time? Is he like the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny? Or is he your rock and your refuge and your purpose and your passion in life? We pick up today in Matthew chapter 16. We'll start reading in verse 15. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you were blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the powers, or most translations say the gates of hell, will not conquer it. Now in verse 18, when it says the powers, the literal Greek means the gates or the gates of Hades. So the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overpower the church. Now, this happened in a region off the coast of a place called Caesarea Philippi. And in this certain place where Jesus had taken his disciples to hang out, there was this huge boulder, this huge rock, and sculpted into this big rock wall was these false pagan idols of false gods, like demon gods, like Beelzebub. And so this place garnered a nickname called the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. So what did Jesus mean when he said, on this rock, I'll build my church? Well, no one really knows. Some people think that Jesus meant that on Peter's confession, that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the son of God, that Jesus was the rock, that Jesus was the son of God. And so it was either his confession, that was the rock, or Jesus was the rock, or some people believe that Peter himself may have been the rock that Jesus was talking about because he was one of the early leaders. But here's another possibility. And most people believe that Jesus was referring to himself as the cornerstone, as the rock. But you have to understand that they were in a place looking at this huge rock. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. They were in this place. They were looking at this huge, huge rock wall filled with statues of gods, demon gods, wickedness, dark things went on here. So another possibility Jesus could have been saying is upon this place of darkness, I'll build my church and my church will crush this darkness. Upon this injustice, I will build my church and it will crush it. Upon this oppression, upon this fear, upon this addiction, upon this dark place, I will build my church and my church will crush it. All of these are possibilities. But what I really love is found in verse 18 when Jesus says the powers or the the gates of hell will not conquer the church. Now, when we first read that, this is the picture that we get in our mind that the church is this mighty fortress and hell and 
evil and darkness is attacking the church from every single side, and it's relentless. We get attacked over and over and over again, but the church is just so powerful, and the church is just so strong that we don't crumble, and so the gates of hell don't prevail against the church. But back in the days of Jesus, whenever an enemy would attack a city, I want you to realize something. That's the wrong picture that we get, that the church is being attacked. And the reason why is this, and remember this today, Back in the days of Jesus, when an enemy would attack a city, the city would close its gates to keep the enemy out. It would close its gates to go on defense. Now, in verse 18, Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. So if you close the gates to keep the enemy out and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, then then who's attacking who? Who's on the offense and who's on the defense? In this verse, the church of Jesus Christ is not on the back foot. In this verse, the church of Jesus Christ is not on the retreat. In this verse, the church of Jesus is not on the defense. We're on the offense. We're on the attack in this passage. We're the ones who are storming the gates of hell. What some of you are thinking is this, Tony, what in the world does that mean? It means this. It means that the church is storming the gates of depression and addiction and hunger with love. These things should not be stronger than us. The church of Jesus Christ is attacking the gates of injustice and racism and prejudice with love. These things should not be stronger than us. The church of Jesus is storming the gates of temptation and hate and division with love because these things should not be stronger than us. The church of Jesus is storming the gates of revenge and darkness and sadness and hopelessness with love because these things should not be stronger than us. The church is a light in the darkness that makes a difference and that sounds pretty necessary to me. So that leads us to think about our church, this church, as we head into the new year. How can this church be a light in this world? How can this church attack the gates of darkness in our city? How can we make a difference with our love? A few different ways. We could call this today the home that we are building at the water's edge. So the first thing is this. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Number one, we exist to create a home for the rest of us. Different churches can reach different types of people. And many of us that attend the water's edge realized a long time ago that we were the rest of us, that we didn't fit in with a lot of those churches. We felt not good enough. We felt judged. We felt criticized at those churches. We had too much of a past to really fit in, too many questions, too many doubts, too many scars to really fit in. For most of us, we are the rest of us. You have good church people. You have proper church people. You have dignified church people. You have traditional church people. You have sheltered church people. You have judgmental church people. And then you have the rest of us. And when we started the water's edge, we started it for the rest of us. The rest of us who can't normally fit into other churches. We got to have a church too. So welcome to the carnival. Every week we are here. We exist to create a home for the rest of us. Number two, we exist to create a home for those who want to put their faith into action. Now, I grew up in the type of churches who studied the Bible. In fact, that's what the denomination I grew up in was famous for. People of the book. We believe the book. We study the Bible. But that's all we did. Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning church. We studied the Bible. Sunday night discipleship training, Sunday night church. We studied the Bible. Wednesday night prayer meeting and Wednesday night Bible study. We studied the Bible. We had three revivals a year that I could not miss. Every service, we studied the Bible. We had conferences, Bible conferences. And in those conferences, we studied the Bible. We had youth camps and disciple nows. And in those events, we studied the Bible. And that's all we did. 
And many of you that grew up that way realized that you gained a lot of knowledge that you're doing nothing with. And when we started The Water's Edge, we didn't want to be a church that just had another Bible study, but we wanted to take what God put inside of us and put it into action. We serve and we feed and then we do it all over again because we want to put our faith into action. We help and we shelter and then we do it all over again because we want to put our faith into action. We give and we love and then we do it all over again because we want to put our faith into action. Why? Because we're Christians. Duh. We don't want to just sit back and get more knowledge. We want to put it to the streets. And so this brings us as a close to the third thing. We exist to create a home for the weary to experience love. We all know that life in this world will beat you down. And there are people who aren't real sure about Jesus just yet, but they do know that what they're going through in life right now is exhausting and it is beating them down. And these storms are making them tired and weary and exhausted. And we exist to create a home for them too and a family for them too, a home for the weary, a home for the tired, a home for the lonely, a home for the sad, a home where they can come to and find friendship and hope and encouragement and love and help and peace and rest. This is our mission. This is why we're here, to create a home, a home for the rest of us, a home for those of us who want to experience God and then put that experience and love to the streets and put our faith into action and a home for all of those who feel weary and tired. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty necessary to me. So yes, God is personal and real and intimate. He's always with us and you don't have to be in a church to experience him, but you cannot effectively storm the gates of hell by yourself. If you want to do that effectively, you need to have some soldiers with you, some friends with you, some family with you, some brothers and sisters with you. We call this the church. Let's go out. Let's create this home. Let's make a difference. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have a great, great week and happy new year, everyone.